When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, I got to tell you, I'm a little jet lagged. Yeah, why are you jet lagged? Uh, Because I just spent the last, I think, 40 hours coming back from Korea. But what an exciting trip. All right, so tell me about what you did. Well, what I did, Tommy, was I saw Back to the Future. Okay. (laughs) Literally. uh, I saw probably one of the coolest uh, concept cars I have seen in a long time. Uh, Hyundai just uh, did something that I didn't think was possible and that they made a retro car cool by giving it not only incredible styling, basically think of DeLorean, and I'll tell you the story behind that, uh, meets uh, a supercar powered by a fuel cell and batteries with over 500 horsepower. Mind-blowing, mind-blowing, Tommy. Plus, I got to see uh, the new Ionic 6 and the new Ionic 6N. I'm gonna tell you all about that, but you also came back. You were uh, you were miniing, dude. Yeah, so I did a little mini road trip called Mini Takes Estates, which is uh, this rally with over a couple thousand minis. Driving from north to south this year, got to see some cool stuff as well. We can talk about the new Range Rover, which we have at the office, and anything else in between. All right, well, how do you want to start this? I'll let you decide. Um, well, you went on the cool trip, so why don't you start it off? All right, well, let me, let me kind of work my way through the different cars I saw. Uh, so I, I flew to Korea. Thank you, Hyundai, for inviting me and for uh, taking me out there uh, for the unveiling of the Ionic 6. Now, you know the Ionic 5 is built, I think it's the GMP platform uh, that uh, is also kind of a shared platform with, I'm going to say the K word, Kia, but they don't like it, even though it's the same company. I don't like when you say Kia. But anyway, it's built on the same platform as the EV6. Uh, and... With the Hyundai brand, they're now taking that platform, and uh, because I guess they're Asian, because this doesn't make sense to me, they're taking a crossover and putting a sedan body on it. What does it have to do with being Asian? Well, because I think think Asians still like sedans. Here in America, we don't like our sedans. It's selling into a headwind. People aren't buying sedans. Maybe they are. I don't know. I'm I'm sure Camry still sells over 200,000 units, but it's funny to go from a crossover to a sedan. Now, they don't call it a sedan. It's four doors and a trunk. They call it a streamliner. So um, that eGMP platform is uh, underpinned a lot of cars as well, including the Genesis, the EV Genesis Mm -hmm. SUV. So it certainly is nothing too new. And what they're doing is basically maximizing the most out of that platform by essentially swapping different bodies and different form factors on top of it. Yeah, so the EV um, GT... Uh, of course, is the fast version of the EV6. And now, of course, uh, there's also a fast version of the... <laughs> I'm going to confuse you, so let me not go there. Let, let's just um, forget what I just said. Let's talk about the Ionic 6. So the Ionic 6 is a sedan uh, that looks a little bit like a Porsche, dare I say it? 
Well, it kind of looks like a bar of soap. So what they were going for with this is the lowest possible drag coefficient in the industry because it's an electric car, so they want to maximize the range. And it matches the drag coefficient of the Lucid Air. It's like 0.21 or something. Yeah, very good, 0.21. And I got to interview the designer and he showed me exactly how they achieved that number. The other number that they achieved, which is pretty phenomenal, is on the European uh, circuit, I guess, which is different than ours, right? The test circuit that the Europeans do. Uh, they got an astounding uh, 610 kilometers on one charge on a 77 kilowatt hour battery, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, but they have a very different uh, cycle. Yes. So we rate on the EPA cycle, they rate on the WLTP, which is... Um, oftentimes a little bit optimistic, but we'll have to wait and see what the official numbers are from the EPA because I think it's very possible we're nearing 400 considering that the car's cousin, the Ionic 5, is over 300 in some configurations. Yeah, and so what they were very proud of is not only uh, the design of the car, but that they actually increased the range by over 100 kilometers on that cycle. So in real terms, Tommy, uh, that means that uh, now we're going to a point where electric cars are starting to become, uh, you know, everyday and road trip worthy because when you start getting these kind of crazy long ranges, uh, then range anxiety tends to go away. Now the way they did that, you might be wondering, is they increased the efficiency not only of the aero of the car, but also of the motor, uh, the software that controls the, 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 the batteries and the motor, pretty much everything uh, about the car, they made it more efficient to get basically you know, 100 kilometers more of range on a platform, which is identical to the Ionic 5. Now, there's a lot of controversy about the design, right? Some people love it, some people hate it. It's one of those love and hate things. What do you think of it? I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's a little bit contrasting to the Ionic 5, which is like, a retro throwback video game car almost. It looks like a 1980s Volkswagen Golf, which is a fantastic look. And then the EV6 kind of looks like a spaceship with the way that it slopes in the front and the back. And then this does look like, um, it looks a little bit like an Apple Mighty Mouse where it's kind of just the, the same slope in the front as it, in, as, as it is in the rear. But I love how different it is. It's just very out there. It's very interesting. It doesn't look like any other kind of sedan on the market. And I appreciate that they're trying something bold, which is very commendable. So I talked with the designer. Uh, the video's out there on all TFL. If you want to see it, you can look at the car. I've got actually two videos. I've got a walk around of the video from the show when they unveiled it. And I got a really good interview with the designer. And there's a couple interesting things that I did not know. And I'll be happy to explain to you because they're... Uh, kind of cool. Uh, so first and foremost, since it's on the same platform as the Anik 5, it's long. So there's a ton of legroom, both front and back. But because it's swoopy and kind of droopy, the headroom isn't there. So sitting in the back, my head hits the top of the roof uh, in the back seat. Front seat's fine. Uh, also a tiny little frunk, enough to maybe put a charging cable into or maybe two ham sandwiches. Uh, but a good size trunk with, you know, seats that actually recline. But here's the cool thing, right? So Hyundai builds all these cars that don't look alike. You know, so most, specifically the Germans, have this a nestling doll, right? The Matushka doll um, approach to design. So basically it's like you have one doll with another doll with another doll. So like a, uh, I don't know, Audi A7 or A8. Well, there's no A8. Audi A... What do you mean there's no A8? There's an A8. But it looks the same as an okay, A5. Okay, here I'll help you. As an well, A3. How about this? The BMW this? 7 Series is the yeah. same as the 5 Series is the same as the 3 Series, yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm talking about. Well, so Hyundai's approach is the chessboard. Does that make sense? Is that what they told you? Yes, that's what they told me. So basically the base of the chessboard is the same, but the top is different because each of the different figures has uh, a different customer base. So obviously a 
king is much different than a queen or a rook. Uh, and so the base, right, the, the chassis is the same, but then the top of the car is very different. So the cars do not look anything alike because the Ionic 5 and the Ionic 6, you know, the only thing that they have in common, and there's three things that they have in common, which they talked about. Number one is that pixel design. Right, so you'll see these little pixels, uh, and the pixel works on a number of layers because in, um, I guess, Korean language, one of their uh, letters is a pixel. So, well, so that goes back to like you know the, the Korean okay. alphabet as well. Another thing that they, that, they, that they all apparently have in common. Anyway, you were going to say something. I'm kind of monopolizing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I, what I wanted to say is there's kind of a pro and the con to having them all look different. Right. The 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 pro of having them look the same is that if you buy a 3 Series, uh, you've got that brand identity instantly that you know you're driving a BMW, which is in the same family as a 5 or a 7 Series. Uh, the con is that they kind of all look the same. So if you don't like the design language of a 5 Series, you're probably not going to like the look of a 7 or a, or a 3. Now, the, uh, the, the pros of having them look different is you kind of never know what you're going to get, and it makes it very exciting because the, um, the Santa Fe, the current Santa Fe, looks nothing at all like an Ionic 5, which looks nothing like the Ionic 6, um, and, and that's very exciting. The con is it's hard to develop that brand identity because you never know what you're looking at when you see one on the road. The other thing that Hyundai does, which is a little um, different from most industries, most other manufacturers, uh, is that they don't uh, evolve cars like within generation to generation they completely change the design of it if you see what i'm saying uh and i'm not i can't go into this because they uh basically took me to the design center and they showed me their future cars mm -hmm. but all i can say is that um at least now that uh you know the next generation of hyundai cars does not look a lot like the current generation it's it's mind-blowing that like every four years they almost start with a clean sheet of paper and redesign the car well you don't even need to know a future product you can see that now I mean, a Sonata from today with the... the doesn't look like anything like a Sonata from like like four years ago. The swoopy catfish yeah. doesn't look like the boring Sonata from uh, yeah, four years ago or the Sonata before that. They all look different. Now, that's good and bad. Like, if you like the look of your Sonata, the new, the next one's not going to look <laughs> look the same. But if you don't like the look of your Sonata, you know that the next one's going to be all new and fresh. And I would, I'm going to give you a hint here. I would say, uh, if you like the look of the Santa Fe, just listen to what Tommy said. Yeah. Or if you don't like the look of the Santa Fe, listen to what Tommy said. Yeah, very true. So um, anyway, uh, you know, I, I got to have fun at the show. Uh, the, the funniest thing that happened to me was I'm interviewing the designer, you know, uh, and we're inside the car. And I guess I did not notice at the time, but there's a very popular um, YouTube Korean blogger a girl uh, who influenced her, I guess, who um, decides that uh, one of the things that, that, that she's known for is laying down in the back of the car. So I'm, I'm interviewing the designer and somebody takes and, you know, folds down the back seat so that you can pass through, right? And then I look behind me and there's this girl just laying behind me in the, in the car, you know, with a tight dress. And I was like, oh my God, this is getting, and there was a guy with her, a videographer, uh, and they were just giggling and having fun. Uh, and unbeknownst to me, apparently she's a very popular uh, Korean car YouTuber. Uh, and so I, I, I got all embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it, it was certainly one of the more interesting moments in an interview that I've ever done. Um, so the more interesting thing, of course, that they showed us, which once again, we also have a video of this, is there's an N version of the um, Ionic 6 coming. Well, I think that one's the one that looks cool. So I think the standard one does look a little droopy front and back. But what they did on the N is they just stuck a huge ass wing on the rear and then made it bright blue. And it looks very cool. It's a concept. It's called officially the RM22E. And it's built, it's on the EMGP. So they're calling it the platform EMGP. Well, that's what all the other platforms are called. 
Uh, aren't they something just GMP? No, it's, it's, it's eGump. Is it all eGump? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so uh, once again, it's a concept, RM22E, uh, all-wheel drive, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, pretty uh, crazy-looking car uh, that uh, I suspect will get built because uh, Hyundai has a reputation now of building their concepts and sticking pretty close to uh, what the concept looks like. Uh, even though the Ionic 6 did kind of kind of shy away from their original concept, but nevertheless, uh, this thing looks badass. So big, you know, fat tires with big haunches, what you'd expect, a huge wing, uh, just a really uh, aggressive looking version of the Ionic 6. But the one that we're looking at up here on the screen, that's the one that like everybody just freaked out and lost their mind. So they take us to end night uh, and they do a presentation. They have all the end cars uh, and they talk about, you know, where the brand is and you know where N comes from? Uh, one more than M, because the uh, head of the N division came from BMW M. Well, their headquarters is in Namyang. Okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. And so the N comes from that. I, I have this feeling that they sat around the boardroom at one point, and somebody said, we need a, like a performance division. And somebody said, you mean like BMW M? And they said, yeah, but let's just go one further down the alphabet. One better. <laughs> and then, then they came up with the fact that their headquarters starts with the N, and that's how they justified the N. Anyway, they came up with this concept. So back, get this, Tommy, back. This just blew everybody away. So they show us the Ionic 6, and, and then, like, they open this door, and we're like, what, what's ha going to happen now? And then they blow in uh, uh, smoke from, you know, uh, dry ice, and we're all like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And we walk into a completely different room, and there's this covered up car with this massive wing and even covered up it looks just incredibly um, interesting and very sporty. So um, in 1974 I guess Hyundai uh, built the concept car called the Pony Coupe uh, and that concept car, <laughs> you're tired, you want to talk? I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to be done talking, keep all right, going. Alright, so this concept car uh, was never built. Uh, uh, but it was designed by Giorgio, whatever the heck that guy's name is. Giorgio, right? Giorgio, Giorgio de Giorgio, yeah. No, no, no. Isn't it Giorgio? Giorgio, whatever. Anyway, the famous designer who's done a lot of famous Yeah, look it up. And so he did this concept. Uh, the car is, you know, kind of cool. Um, obviously, it's not, um, you know. No, it's Giorgetto Giorgio. Okay, so he did this. Well, that's, that's the guy who did the car you're about to talk about. Well, he did the pony coupe. Well, I didn't look up the pony coupe. That's I looked up the what the car turned into. Anyway, so he did the pony coupe, and yeah. the car was never built because they didn't have an engine for it. Uh -huh. uh, four years later, he's he's uh, basically tasked to design the new DeLorean. Right. And, and he said in a quote that he used the concept pony coupe as a starting point for the DeLorean. Okay, so that's right. So Giorgetto Giorgio at a towel design did the DeLorean. Right. Yeah. Right. And so if you look, when they pulled the... When they pulled the uh, blanket or whatever it is, the veil off this thing, it kind of looks like, you know, if DeLorean were to design a car today, that's what it looks like. And the car is incredible. It's a throwback, like 70s car. It's all angles and aggression and, um, you know, like very mean and pissed off. It's got those classic, like almost BMW hooded eyes. Really the only thing that kind of ties it into the uh, uh, Ionic and the end are the pixel uh, around the headlights. Uh, we're looking at it right now. Uh, it's just it's just an incredibly beautiful, muscular, sporty car. And what makes it even more incredible is that unlike uh, the Ionic 6N concept, this one is actually a fuel cell car. So basically what you have uh, are, uh, this is a rear wheel drive car, so only one, one you know set of wheels is powering it. 
two uh, hydrogen tanks that live under that rear wing, and then a giant fuel cell that lives under the hood, and then a battery that's kind of in a T-shape. Uh, and so what, what they said was, they said that the um, uh, fuel cell actually provides additional um, energy for the battery. So it's a battery hybrid electric fuel cell powered supercar. So what it could be is it could be like a range extender where you can run it on electricity plugging in at home. And then when the battery dies, instead of having a gasoline generator, it's got a hydrogen generator to produce electricity. That could be one way they're doing it. I think it's a terrible idea because, um, to be honest, fuel cells is a dying technology here in the U.S. So I'm hoping that if it does come to the States, it's going to be all electric. Cause so fuel cells are a hydrogen, right? You take no, hydrogen and you split I love, hydrogen and you, you end up with water. I love fuel cell cars. Well, yeah, but that's not, the, that's not the reason you have a fuel cell. I'm saying that's what fuel cell, right? A so fuel you, cell takes hydrogen and converts it to no, water and oxygen. hold up. You take hydrogen from the tank, right. you combine it with oxygen, oxygen in the air. With water, yeah. No, but you don't end up with water. Yes, you it's do. not the water that makes the car H2O. move. No, it's not the That's what spits out of the car. But it's not the water that makes it move. No, it's a, it's it's a combination of the D two. No, it is okay. Pause a sec. Right. So you got something called the fuel stack, right? right? You got hydrogen pressurized at 10,000 psi in tanks, right. which is run across this membrane right. where it's mixed with oxygen, oxygen. in the air yes. and that creates electricity. Right. And, that, and water. The water is a byproduct. Yeah, it creates water. <laughs> but the goal is not to create water. Of course it's not. The goal is to create electricity. You're, say, you're confusing say, the lovely ladies and gentlemen in the crowd. I didn't say the goal was to create water. I'm saying that's what comes out of the tailpipe. Yeah, but you made it sound like the only thing it does is make water. It's not a... It's not a well, thank you for clarifying. It's that. not a water production plant under well, the hood. sure it is. So it creates electricity. And then the byproduct of combining hydrogen and oxygen is two hydrogen particles and one oxygen, which is water. H2O. Yeah. Um, and then that electricity goes to the battery, which then powers the motor, which then turns the wheels. But here's why it doesn't work, because um, I've driven a lot of hydrogen cars. They're lovely. The great idea. You can refill them in a few minutes. But there's only currently hydrogen stations in California. Right. But the, the, look, the, the, the Asian countries, including Korea and Japan, are really into hydrogen because unlike uh, gasoline and diesel... They, which they don't have, right? They don't. They can't drill for it because they don't have a lot of it, if any. You can create hydrogen from uh, the environment. So for them, it's a renewable resource because if given enough energy, you can just make as much hydrogen as you want. <laughs> Although here in the states, most hydrogen is created using natural gas, natural gas, right, <laughs> which yeah. is also problematic. It's a great technology. It, I mean, it takes energy to create hydrogen. So, yeah, yeah. So. And you, yeah. Where do you get that energy? Well, do you get it from the sun? Do you get it from solar? Do you get it from burning coal? I don't. Do know. you get it from <laughs> natural but, gas? But I'm saying, if you're Asian and you don't have natural access to, like, you know gasoline or, or petroleum in the ground, then this is a great way to, to power a vehicle because it's a renewable that you can make. Right. I'm curious, though, because it's a... It doesn't take millions of years. You need energy to make it. So right. why not just take the energy you use to make it and stick it in a battery and push you down the road that way? If well, you already need electricity to make hydrogen, why not just take that electricity? Well, because there's a lot of upside to it. Well, so First for all, example... It doesn't take a long time that's to, right. to refuel. And if you're in a really crowded country like in South Korea, yeah. you may not have the charging infrastructure needed to plug in cars overnight, for example. Actually, I saw a lot of chargers at their gas stations and they were really cool. Were they busy? Uh, no, the chargers weren't busy. The oh, gas well, maybe that's busy. not the issue. But you know what they did? You know how here we have like a, like a charger, which is basically a box, and there's a cable coming out of the mm -hmm. charger, so you have to pull into it, and then you take the cable and plug it into the car. There they had these rods that go up from the charger, and then the charger hangs from the rod, so basically it's coming down. So in essence, every charger is a pull-through charger if you're towing, so you can just pull it down and then plug it into the front, the good, side, yeah. the back. It's a really good idea. I don't know why we're not doing that. But my point is, lovely piece of design. Oh, it's beautiful. Incredibly excited for it, but like... 
I'm, I have to be a little selfish because the vast majority of our audience is in the U.S. If they, if they make a hydrogen, you're going to be able to sell it in California, and that's the end of the list because there's just not the infrastructure in any other state. I know it's supposedly coming for the, to the East Coast, but so, it's been coming to the East Coast for the last 10 years so, now. So the car they showed us was a mock-up, right? There is, a, there is a running version of it. There's videos of it driving and such, but this was not that one. So this is a mock-up. So I looked on the side, and on the passenger side in the back, there were uh, two little spigots. I, I suspect those are where you pull, put the hydrogen in. Mm. I didn't see like a, a, a fuel flap for an electric charger. It could have one, right? So it could have both. It could be hydrogen and, because what, what Hyundai says is that the hydrogen uh, is used to, uh, are you okay? Yeah. Your phone fell, huh? The hydrogen is used, so I'm a little jet lag. So if I'm a little... Uh, I think we're both pretty tired. Yeah, we're both pretty tired. So if I'm a little tired, I apologize. I didn't sleep all night but, after traveling. So what hours. you're trying anyway, to so say is a hydrogen is supposed to give you more power. It could um, be like power. a range extender. It yeah. could be like a BMW i3 potentially. But still, and you're going to need a hydrogen station if you want that range extender capability. And, and there, so the reason I'm on my phone actually is interesting. Um, I want to take a quick pause here and also mention that uh, DeLorean is actually back with a concept. You know that, right? Yeah, it doesn't look anything like that. Called the Alpha 5. I, I saw the DeLorean concept. Which is yeah. uh, also gull-wing doors, kind of a throw, sort of not really a throwback. It doesn't look very much like the original. This one looks very much like a DeLorean. Yeah. And that's what everybody was saying is, you know, wow, with that squared off A to, to roof transition, the, the triangular quarter windows. Those, um, those big air intakes on the side. Well, even the headlights, you got quad square headlights, right? That screams DeLorean. Yeah. But if you look at the picture of the Pony Coupe concept, it does look just like a DeLorean. I think yeah. Jajaro pretty much took the Pony Coupe and made it a little lower and wider, and you got yourself a DeLorean. Which then became this. Yeah, still and, pretty funny. And, and does this have normal doors or does it have gullwing doors? Uh, I think they're normal doors. I, I, it was funny. So there was a Q&A session. They all came up, the designer, uh, the engineer who did it, right? Yeah. Um, and the Japanese media was there, and they were asking. Japanese media is hilarious because they don't ask questions; they first make a statement. They're so polite. So you know how we're like, you know, why didn't you do this, or you know, what's wrong with that, right? The Japanese are like, uh, first of all, we want to just congratulate you on the brilliance of your design. Yeah, I understand that you know the amount of hard work that went into this, and this goes on and on and on. And then they finally ask a question, right? Uh, so. Uh, I asked the most obvious question in my mind, if you look at the picture, um, and you can see it on our video, how do you open the door? Uh, no door handle. Yeah, and they said that's because it's a mock-up. So I'm looking at the, um, I'm, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll post these pictures I'm looking at right now, but there's uh, the concept from 1974. It's actually very similar to this. And actually, it's, it's said that the Ionic 5 is based off the Pony, too. Not the Coupe, but the standard Pony. Yeah, so there were two cars. There was a Pony Coupe and a Coupe. They built the Coupe, but they never built the Pony Coupe. There was a pony coupe and a coupe. Yep. No, there was a pony and a pony coupe. Was there a pony and a pony coupe? There was a pony and a pony coupe. So they built the pony but not the pony coupe? That's right. Okay. That's the weird thing about it is I think it's interesting that Hyundai is diving so deep into the, the history books here because compared to every other car manufacturer, let's be honest, they don't have a very long history. So they're, they're really, you know, it's amazing they're utilizing what they have. I mean, think about if Audi did this with cars from the, from the 80s or from the 70s, right? They've got a huge lineup of cars dating... Well, Auto Union goes way back, but Mercedes, for example, right? So, they could make a car look like they did in the 50s or so, the 40s. So a couple things that is mighty impressive. So when we walked in the room, they had a race car there, right? And that race car was powered by hydrogen, uh, and that they built back in 2015. And so, I mean, they are continuing. Well, didn't Hyundai come out and say recently they're not developing hydrogen for the U.S. anymore? I think they walked away from hydrogen in the U.S., but that doesn't mean they walked away from hydrogen in the rest of the world. Hmm. Anyway, so they are—they—they they, they do have a sense of their history, and they are 
But what I love about that is they have such a very distinct sense of their history, considering they have a pretty small history. You know, seventy-four in the grand scheme of things wasn't that long ago. Well, that's that's why the, the little you have, the more important it becomes. Yeah, which right? is cool. I like that they're utilizing it. It's uh, very so, cool. So look, hey, I, I applaud the company. I'm I'm always you know in love with anything that's different. I don't know why like uh, BMW or Mercedes or uh, Porsche hasn't built a hydrogen-powered sports car because there's no hydrogen here. It seems like a, 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 an obvious. Uh, unique and fun and interesting project for them. Even if they don't build it, it would be a u- unique. You know, I mean, these look, Tommy. Right now, we're in this cusp where you know the way that we're powering our vehicles is changing, and we don't know what horse is going to win the race. Most people would say, you know, it's probably going to be electricity, but you don't know. And if you're BMW or Mercedes, I think it's too important of a race to just kind of not hedge your bet and put it on a lot of different horses, uh, and because other companies will, right? Uh, and who knows, you know, 20 years from now, this thing may be the standard. Maybe not here, but certainly in Asia, which, which when you think about it, Tommy, is a much more important market, right? Well, China's much bigger than the United States. Very true. Now, it's not fair to say they haven't done it, actually. BMW, if you go back 10 years ago, they had a really big push for hydrogen. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. They, they had all but, these... But, but I'm not seeing anything public. Yeah, I but, know there's... But they did. They had, these, they had these hydrogen-equipped models. And... Uh, well, first of all, part of the issue, let's be honest, they're not based out of South Korea or Japan. They're based out of Germany, which is a very different and I, and I atmosphere. The, I think the Germans hate electricity, so to take it to that next step, which is electricity multiplied by you know fuel cells makes it even And harder. the other issue, too, is, I mean, it's great to say, and it's very important that the Asian market is a major player in the in the world of um, new vehicles, which is absolutely true. But a lot of these companies, at least from our perspective, because we're based in the U.S., right, the news we get is tailored to the U.S., and we just don't have the the infrastructure here. I think for it to be it's really successful, a company like Toyota or a company like Hyundai would have to pull a Tesla and actually spend the billions of dollars to build out their own hydrogen infrastructure, just like Tesla did with the supercharger network. That That's the only way it's going to get done. Because we've been doing this for 13 years from now, right? Yes. And we've driven hydrogen cars pretty much since we started this. And every time we go to these press conferences and say there's only 50 hydrogen um, stations, but by next year there's going to be 100. And then are. the year later, there's only 50, but next year it's going to be 200. And let's face it, hydrogen has its own problems, right? You well, it's to, very combustible. <laughs> well, we know that, but you also need to compress it, which is yeah. also dangerous. And, and you uh, you have to keep it at really cold when it's going in the and car. To compress it, you have to make it cold, so you know you can't just like deliver it. And then the nozzles can freeze, and then you have hydrogen shortages. It's not by no means perfect. I think it's an amazing technology. I've driven the Mirai in California pretty recently. I filled it up. It was super seamless. It was just like filling up a gas car. And, and I... And I Look, Tommy, the other thing that I would say is, you know, we're living in a time where water is becoming critical. And, you know, you made fun of me when I said that it manufactures its own water. Well, they're dumping it on the ground right now. So, And there may come a time in not such a distant future where the water that that produces, it may actually be valuable. Uh, right now, the water that comes out is basically sterile, which is not good for drinking because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's basically... Uh, lacking any minerals, right? And that's not good for the human body. But you could add those and you could certainly use it for other things. I mean, quite it's honestly, the, it's like distilled water. if you want to talk about the environmental impact, though, the big issue is that, and it's changing a little bit now, but um, the vast majority of the hydrogen produced in the U.S. is done through natural gas, right? It's Which a byproduct is, of natural gas. Don't production. they like strip a mineral off of ga- I natural? Think it, I think it's a byproduct. I don't right really now. know how that works, but I know it, it, it's involved in the natural right. gas process, which is not exactly you know, or, that environmentally or, or, or friendly. Or maybe there's hydrogen uh, naturally occurring next to natural gas deposits. So, when you, when, so I think what's happening right now is, and if you guys 
know more about this than me, which is very easy, please correct me in the comments below. But I think when you're like watching uh, natural gas production, I hate that word because you're not producing anything, you're just drilling. Refining it. And not even refining it, just exploiting it. But you know those things that are burning at those, I think that's, those are the, hydrogen the, burning that's hydrogen being burned up. So hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe, yes. but it's, a hard, it's hard to get by itself. It doesn't like to be alone. And it's it likes to, to merge with other atoms, yeah. yeah and so it's, it's, it's very flammable. It's very dangerous. Well, on the cars, though, I mean, you, I know it's a big concern is the safety of hydrogen, but I've talked to these engineers, and they crash test the bejesus out of them. They, uh, they shoot them. They I literally mean, shoot the tanks I when they're mean, compressed I mean, to make for, sure they don't explode. For, forget what's powering the 74, right? You could put a V8 under there and you'd have a successful oh, car. Oh, a beautiful car. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the other thing about hydrogen, which a lot of people don't know, is that those tanks only have a certain number of cycles before they have to be replaced. Because they start to crack or something? Well, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's like a safety rating. So I think on the Mirai, it's like you have to get 4,000 fill-ups before the car says you can't fill me up anymore, you have to replace the tanks. So that one has dual tanks in the back. Which is also interesting because most of the hydrogen cars have like four or five tanks on the market. So that tells me that maybe the capacity on the hydrogen tanks is, is smaller and that I maybe it is like a range extender. I think they didn't, I don't think they gave the number. The they give a weight? Because remember, hi, the hydrogen is measured they, in, in they weights. They did give a weight. They did give a, I think, 500 watt motor. I think that's what they said. Kilowatt motor, yeah. yeah but they didn't that's get, pretty serious. Yeah, they didn't give a weight. Anyway, I'm not by no means an expert in hydrogen, but I do think it's a cool technology. I just wish that a company would commit to building and, it out. And they said you can make that car. Right now it's rear-wheel drive, but you could potentially make it all-wheel drive. So just add another motor to the front. You know where the magic in hydrogen is? Where? It's not in light-duty run-around vehicles. It's in um, heavy commercial applications mm. where battery density is a big problem. So like long-road over-the-haul truckers, you could refill really quickly, and it's uh, much more energy-dense than putting... A thousand kilowatt hours worth of batteries, well, a megawatt hour of batteries or whatever in your truck. So that's, I think, where the future of hydrogen lies. But that's a fantastic thing to look at. It's a beautiful piece of design. Anyway, the other thing that, that uh, we also um, kind of glanced over because I didn't say, uh, Hyundai did announce that they're making an N version. This is where I got all confused at the beginning of the Ionic 5. Yes, that's great. So so there is an N Woo! version that's coming and that's going to be fun and fast and it's going to be like that. I'm sure that kind of, you know, Tiffany blue color that all the inversions are. Fantastic. Because, yeah, that's great. Because they stopped making the Velosteran, you know. Did that. they? They killed this it? This month, yeah. Oh, shoot. So the Velosteran's going away, but they have officially announced that the Yannick 5N is coming, which is cool. Um, the first electric N, because right now there's the... Um, yeah, first Kona, Elantra, and Veloster. Right, but no end version of an all-electric car. This will be the first one. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be really cool. Uh, and um, my biggest issue with, and I, we talked about this, and I keep telling the designers this, and they all look at me like I'm like I'm, I'm from Mars. So you know what signifies how quick or fast or powerful a car is if it's an internal combustion engine? Uh, horsepower numbers? I don't know. No, what signifies it? What like what what signals it? You know, if you're oh, if you're on the road, like what? like wings and exhaust and tires. Yeah, and so there's three things, right? There's like wings, spoilers, tires, but the most important ones are exhaust, right? So hmm. the more horsepower, the bigger the exhaust, or the more exhaust there are. Typically, because all the other stuff you can fake easily. Yeah, you can well, put a big spoiler on. Hold up, talk about faking exhaust. The, the Germans love to fake exhaust. But that's very easy that's to do new, as well. But it's much easier to fake a giant wing or a giant spoiler or a bunch of aero stuff on a car that doesn't really have the cojones, right? It's much harder to do that with an exhaust. So I keep telling people that there needs to be some kind of a way to signal 
how powerful an electric car is. Okay. Because right now they're saying, well, look, it's got a big air dam or it's got a big spoiler. I'm like, yeah, so what? It's, it's, or the other thing that they're doing, which is even worse, uh, is they're using audible signals, right? So they make it sound like a jet plane or whatever you sure. want to make it. But that's also fake, right? You, you could put that on your scooter. Well, you could put a fake exhaust on an electric car. You could, but it would be stupid. So what would you do? I, I, my idea was like take like a Tesla coil <laughs> and actually embed it in the back of the car, right? So you could see like the electricity going. You know what Tesla coil is, right? It's, sure. It's like where you take a rod and then you hold up the coil and the electricity jumps the gap and you've got this big spark that happens. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you like like basically a flux capacitor ah. that's displayed on the outside of the car? And the bigger the spark or the bigger the, the light, the more electricity, the more kilowatt hours the battery has and the more kilowatts the car is producing and thus the, the more powerful it is. So have a visual way of distinguishing like the everyday runarounds from that. That's a fun idea. I do like that idea a lot actually. I think that's pretty clever. Um, I, but keep in mind these companies like the Ionic 6, they don't even have wing mirrors to save efficiency and energy. <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to waste it on a little Tesla coil on the back of a bumper. I agree. And by the way, I, the Ionic 6 has... Uh, did you pitch your idea to them? I did. They did looked, they like it? They looked at Nick House from Mars. They always <laughs> Everybody does. So, uh, so maybe, maybe I'm off my rocker. But anyway, uh, the Ionic 6 in most of the world has camera mirrors on the side and it's got these little like wings on the side of the dashboard that serve as you know the, the screens yeah. and I actually liked it oh uh, I don't know if I'd like it I liked it I, I didn't have a hard time focusing I have a hard time so like you can buy those right now with the review mirrors right where right. you've got that little mirror up those on the I windshield have a hard time with. and when know. you flick them on it's weird because you're looking at the world in IRL in real life yeah, I know. and then you look up at the mirror and it's digital and your brain's like whoa what happened there that bugs me but the ones on the side didn't bug me I, I, the, the focal point gets harder as you get older mm. uh, Toyota does a lot of that they they move um, they move the the instrument as far away from the driver they did it in the BRZ right and the BZ4X BZ4X yeah and the Solterra no oh. not the, the, the Solterra is a Subaru yeah 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 it's way out there way ahead very of far of you and that's that's for like they're very considerate of older drivers because oh really older drivers it's hard to have that focal point be farther like closer to you than the focal point of the road. So That's they, interesting. They move it way out there so you don't have to change. Prius is like that too. It's yeah, way up on the windshield. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're very cognizant of, of people as they age. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, it sounds like you had a good trip. Did you have some good barbecue, Korean barbecue? I did have incredible barbecue, um, uh, and I met some really nice people. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, I was just impressed by the energy of Hyundai. Uh, this company is just uh, rocking it, dude. I mean... You know, they are, they've got the, the bit between the teeth, and you can tell that they're, you know, hiring the best talent out there. So, like, the designer I spoke to uh, was British, but he came from Volkswagen. You know, Biermann, Albert Biermann, who does their tuning, came from M. Uh, Peter Schreier, who does a lot of the design for Kia, you know, came from Audi. Mm. So, they're either growing it at home, the talent, or they're buying it if they, if they don't have it. Uh, and what you end up are uh, concepts like the 74, where the world, like, is... Uh, you know, taking notice. So if you're, you know, if you're in Stuttgart, you might want to pay attention to what these guys are doing in Korea because, uh, you know, with, with, like you said, with the newer company, with less baggage, they can think outside of the box where I think it's much harder for traditional companies, even here in America, like GM to do that, right? They keep, they keep kind of doing the same thing over and over again, even though now is a time to be bold and different and unique. That's true. All right, so you came back uh, from Mini Takes the States. Yeah, so there's a mini rally they do every two years. It's actually um, 
kind of hosted by Mini, the company itself. It's called Mini Takes the States, and it's a nine-day-long road rally that starts in one part of the country and then finishes in the other, and you average like 600 Minis a day um, from all over the country that start and finish, and they have activities and concerts, and it's a, it was a really fun time. So I flew out there just for the last basically day of driving to kind of go experience and poke around with what, what's going on, and it was uh, very cool. So this year it started in Burlington, Vermont, and then made its way kind of down the East Coast and ended in Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is the BMW Performance Center and where they build the BMW X, uh, X SUVs, like the X5 and the X7. And as you know, BMW owns many. Yes, of course. It's a brand within the uh, BMW group. group. And, yeah, so a pretty cool day. So we got to drive some new additions. Uh, we drove the uh, Mini Cooper Clubman. Uh, it was called the Untold. It had gold wheels, which are really in right now. Let's let's skip to the chase though. You also uh, had a chance to take a look at the video is also up at ltfl.com at the newest and greatest mini in my mind the convertible SE. Yeah, so uh, haven't driven it yet, but we we do want to get behind the wheel shortly. Yeah. But the uh, Mini Cooper SE convertible is a concept right now, but it's looking pretty close to production ready. So you've got the electric SE coupe, which is that little city car. Uh, which was for a while the which cheapest, yeah, cheapest new EV on the market. It started at twenty nine nine, only one hundred and fourteen miles of range. Yeah, pretty low range. It under got undercut though price wise by the Leaf. They had a price drop, and I think now the Bolt. Yeah, just, the Bolt just dropped six k. Yeah. But anyways, Mini decided. They kill it. Mini decided to do a convertible version of that, where they take the current convertible and they just basically electrify it. So we had an argument. I said I think that's the first convertible, and you said no, that's not the first electric convertible. There have been others, and then I said which one, and you said two, and then I was like, let's play a trivia game and see if I can figure it out, and you gave me a hint. What was your hint? Well, the first one is made, or sorry, there's none available on the market today in the U.S. There were two in the past. The first one is made by the largest maker of EVs. And then, of course, I, I jumped to Tesla, and you said the Tesla Roadster, and I'm like, I don't think that was a convertible. I thought it that was, was like a, It was literally... It had like a, had like a top that was removable. Like but it was a, literally called the Roadster. <laughs> but then, yeah, but that doesn't mean it was a traditional convertible. So that's an argument that we had. We're not going to repeat. And then the other one, of course, you said uh, is tiny. Really tiny. And then, of course, immediately let me know that you're talking about the smart EV convertible, Our which straight. also is a weird convertible because it had this... It didn't really convert. It had this like... Fabric roof that folded back. Back. back, yeah. And then people in the comments were saying that's not true. The Fiat 500e. That also had the same kind of thing. But it wasn't a convertible. Mm. You couldn't get the E in a convertible. It was hardtop only. How about like the, uh, um, what's what's the latest supercar that, that Porsche just bought? Just the uh, Rimac? The Rimac. Is that a convertible? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think no. that's a coupe. No. Yeah, there's been hybrids like the 918, right? How about that the twi was a Twizy or Twiggy or whatever the hell that thing the, was. The, the Twizy? The Twizy? Well, that's not in the U.S. But was that a convertible? That was a golf cart that had no sides on it. It was just a roof with no sides. So it was it was a convertible. It was just sides. It was just like yeah, it was whatever that's called with and no the sides. Emmy's not a convertible. No, I think it, abroad there might be some other convertibles. I want to bet. So so we know that Mini has said that the next generation of cars is going to be all electric, right? By twenty thirty, the whole brand will be apparently. But there's no new generations coming, right? For a while. Well, not that's the rumor that the current generation of kind of Mini Cooper is going to be sticking around for quite a bit longer, mm. and it's already been around. For for seven years now. So they're going to have to do something to keep it fresh. They came out with the electric one, which is a great move. Um, those those have been sold out for a long time. So let's say they basically chopped the top off the SE, which is what they did, right, and made it convertible. Well, more like they took the entire drivetrain of the SE and put it in a gas convertible. 
either way. It's kind of the same, same thing, thing, but yeah. 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 Uh, will it get better or worse fuel uh, MPG, I mean, uh, range? I think it might be worse. You think so? Well, because convertibles are usually heavier. Yeah, yeah. So heavier so and It's got the more, same 100. More, worse arrow. So that same 100, like 89 horsepower or something. So we're looking at 114 now, less than 114. That's not Probably, easy I would guess around, I'm going to guess around 110. Okay. So, yeah, and it's going to probably be more expensive if they do decide to build it. But it's cool. I mean, the cool thing about the EV market right now is we've got a lot of really good cars, but they're primarily crossovers and SUVs and sedans. So you did a staggering video that really is interesting, um, and we haven't published yet. So let's talk about that. You went and did something really smart, Tom. You took, you know, so what we did was we bought the Mini SE. We've been driving it now. It's almost a year we've had it. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. we put on a lot of miles. And then in the winter, we got some Michelin uh, Cross Climate, which are these new all-weather uh, tires, which is basically a, a snow tire-ish that you can drive all year round. We put them on. And you were like, hey, I wonder what that did to the range. And so you went and got the original tires, which are basically all seasons, and put them back on. And you ran a range test comparing the original tire that came on the Mini uh, to the all-weather Michelin. And the results were staggering. Tell me what happened. Well, the thing that's even more interesting, so the original tire on the Mini is not an all-season. It's not. Oh, it's a summer tire. You're it's right. a pure summer. Yeah. And I was talking to the Mini guys. A lot of that is actually due to range, okay. believe it or not. So I, I, this was a staggering video because it, it went to prove just what an impact wheels and tires have on range. It can be a huge deal. So we ran this first range test, and it was um, mostly highway driving between 60 and 75 miles an hour. And they went 116.8 miles on the all-weather tires and these aftermarket wheels before it wouldn't move. Which is still two, two miles more. Two than, miles more than Mini than says EPA it'll go. Says yeah, which is good, actually, because that's not at 70. That's typically lower speeds when right. they rate those. So that was really impressive. Um, but I, I, I felt like driving around over the last few months that, that had a fairly significant impact on range. So I went, drove up to uh, our place where we were storing the tires, got the original wheels and tires, stuck them on. Now, these wheels and tires are very funky. They look like a UK plug socket. Yeah, they're called the uh, COVID. No, they're not called Corona. the COVID. Corona. It was a disaster. When they launched yeah, the car Corona. in 2020, they called them the Corona-style wheel. Yeah. And then they immediately changed it to Power Spoke because it was like February 2020 when they named the wheel. Uh, anyways, so the power spoke wheel is this funky design, but it's very aerodynamic. So it's got a lot of um, plastic that kind of blocks covers, the holes. Covers the holes, yeah. Kind of like a smoothie. It looks like a crucifix. Let's face it, it looks like a cross. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. But one with no holes in it. Right, yeah. So we put on these, these funky wheels that came with it in the original summer tires. I ran the exact same loop. It was the same weather. It was basically the same slight breeze. And we were driving along. We passed the point where the car ran out of electricity, and we still had 14% remaining. And we drove 135 miles and still had like 3% left in the battery. Wow, that's so significant. That's a full 20 miles more, which is a huge deal when you're dealing with the car. With that's the, over 20%. With the car with a, only 114 miles of yeah. range. Yeah, it was enormously different. Um, and that just goes to show uh, what it change that tires and wheels can make. And the funny thing is, the, the tires dimensionally on paper are the same between the all-weathers and the factory tires. So it's not like we were going to a big, fat, you know, racing tire. It was just, it, dimensionally it should have been the same in terms of height and width, but it had a, a huge difference in, in distance. Now we did the same thing with the Lightning and we found a very similar result. Yeah, so it was we, also like 6 or 7% different yeah, between so, original tires and all-terrains. Yeah, we put on all-terrains. The difference in that test, though, is we didn't change the wheels. Right. So we were still running on those original aerodynamic wheels. Right. When we bought the wheels for the Mini, we didn't even think twice about aerodynamics. We just got this kind of affordable set of 
they're, alloys. They were cool. They're pretty cool, yeah, but it, it kills the range. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, we're seeing a similar degradation on the Lightning. And by the way, um, I'm going to have to go to the airport in about two hours because I am flying to Alaska to drive the Lightning all the way up uh, to Dead Horse or Prudhoe Bay. Uh, and uh, Andre did the first part of the journey. Uh, the, the boys did the second part. So I'm going to meet him in Fairbanks. I'm going to be there for the more exciting part. But we're finding out that putting a camper on it, which we did thanks to our friends at Pop-Up, four-wheel pop-up campers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and other tires has just incredibly killed the range on the truck, which is making this just a very challenging. Because basically from Fairbanks to Prudhoe Bay is 500 miles, or Dead Horse, right? Mm -hmm without any charging. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to have quite the adventure getting the truck all the way up there and back. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. Well, the thing I've, I've really learned over the last two weeks especially is aerodynamics is important in any vehicle, but especially in an EV, it can have an enormous impact on uh, what it's like to drive and operate. So when these companies put billions and billions into like making sure their bodies are smooth, like that Ionic 6, which looks like a bar of soap, they do it for a super specific reason. And uh, it's amazing what even wheels and tires will do. We just had the BMW i4 M50i in, which had these 20-inch performance wheels on it from the factory. And just by getting those wheels, the EPA range drops by 50 miles yeah. just because of the wheels and tires. So we have a cutting plan uh, to get the, the, the truck there. But the most important part of the cutting plan is David from uh, uh, Yak Ranch. Uh, and Tumbleweed Ranch. Tumbleweed Ranch yep. now is coming along. Uh, and so he's going to be... Uh, He's going to be the key to helping us get the truck all the way up to Dead Horse. So uh, we've just published a second episode in that series, uh, the the Lightning series. And if you want a T-shirt, watch the series. Uh, dude, the guy, we, we geocached a T-shirt and a belt buckle. The guy found it within like like 20 minutes of when we published the video. That's awesome. Crazy. That's is, really cool. is that crazy? I think they've all been found. The one in Colorado was found, now California. Yeah, i got to go stash some more. Those those along the uh, Dalton Highway are going to be a little bit harder to yeah, get. Yeah, those ones you, will probably be a little long, be longer. to go get them. Exactly right. Uh, so um, anyway, um, let's talk about some of the stuff that we have here at the office. Uh, you, you fell in love with a vehicle that I fell in love with, and that is a new Range Rover. Yeah, so I know I've been kind of harsh in the past on some of the newer Land Rover products, like the Defender. Yeah. But this Range Rover is absolutely phenomenal. It is the best Range Rover I think that's ever existed. <laughs> it's the full-size Range Rover. It's $124,000. The one we have, yeah. But it's just like, it doesn't look that different than the old one, but it's one of the best riding cars I've ever driven. The interior's got more leather on it than a field of cows. Uh, it's just beautiful inside and out. It's nice to drive. It's great to look at, especially from the back. They did do some pretty big changes in the rear, actually. It's comfortable. It's quiet. Lovely vehicle. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, when I got to drive that out in California for the first drive, I'm always impressed by how Range Rover manages to take a car with 22s and still make it off-road worthy because this thing has, believe it or not, a rear locker in it. It <laughs> does. 23s, actually. 23s. Yeah. It, well, you can't really be that off-road worthy on 23s. Well, Case well, and I thought that... Well, it's, I mean, the, the, yeah, the tires are the limited. It's like a rubber band around the 23-inch yeah. yeah, wheel. You'll, you'll pop those... By looking at them. They need to do an off-road version, like this package. You could even charge a lot more and people would buy yeah, it. They call it the Defender. Or yeah, the, or but the Discovery. I, I mean, imagine like a, the Bespoke Adventure Group or something. Give it some bougie name. People would buy it with like 19-inch wheels and a bigger tire. It would be amazing. You can get like an equestrian package on it, which gives you special mats. You can get the... Um, oh, the horses when they poop inside You of can it. get like the Kentucky... <laughs> get it dirty. No, it's like special mats for your feet. <laughs> it's got like a Kentucky Derby package where you can get like these leather seats in the tailgate. So, so ours has the V6. 
No, it has a straight six. Oh, straight six. That's right. They got rid of the V6 supercharged. They didn't have a straight six. Uh, but there's also a 4.4 liter V8 that's sourced from BMW. Which that, is a good idea. Which is incredible. I if mean, you're if you're a smaller manufacturer like JLR, yeah. why spend the huge money amounts of money to, to develop your when own you, engine? When you can take one of the most powerful right. turbos in the market. Take it from BMW, which has been doing this for... Where is a single turbo? I forgot. The old uh, one was a twin turbo. I don't remember. I think the it's old a, one was a twin. 4.4. It might be a twin still. Yeah, it's definitely a 4.4. Uh, but yeah, why not take one of the best engines in the market and just pay them money for it and then spend all your money on design and off-roading? Which is what they did. Yeah, so really love that car. Uh, I think you're going to not find it for a long time because it, a new Range Rover's only come around like once every 10 years, I think. Yeah, and I, I, I give Jerry Montgomery, the designer, a lot of crap because, he, well, he's easy to give a lot of crap to, but uh, he did a really good job in, in he making did. this he thing killed it. look both traditional and modern. That's not easy it's to beautiful. do. beautiful. We just had the Lexus LX, actually, the competitor to this at the office. Yeah, what'd you think of that? Well, that looks like a tin shed compared to this Range Rover. Ooh, harsh words. Well, it's just, it's just flat on the front. It's flat on it's the side. It's got that giant spindle grill. And it's just, like it's, it's vertical. It's like a clay. <laughs> it's like give it a curve. What are you doing? And it's not like cur. It's not squared off like this N74 is. It's squared off in the same way that a. I just it looks like a bread box to me. I really it, don't like it's, it. It's funny, like um, you know, uh, to to pull off really classic and elegant and sophisticated design is very difficult. It's easy to go too far. You know what I'm saying? Where mm-hmm. it becomes. Instead of classy, it becomes gaudy. Instead of uh, sophisticated, it becomes overwrought. Yeah. Uh, and there's, and I gotta say, there is a little bit of that in the Lexus version. Oh, it's for like, sure. It's like they threw the kitchen sink at it, uh, and sometimes less is more. Right. Yeah, I agree completely. So, I, I, Lexus is a very well-made car. I, I want to make that very clear. It was it felt like it was screwed together with a thousand bolts to hold on the door handle, but uh, I just didn't like the design inside or out. This dual stack, stack screen thing looked like an Infinity from 2012. Did not work for me. But this Range Rover, um, obviously there's going to be a thousand comments about reliability, but I can't speak to that. However, it was a fantastic thing to drive. It's really good. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about some of the other vehicles that we've had in our fleet and kind of give people an update. Uh, first and foremost, so we uh, finally got plates for our uh, Santa Cruz. Uh, we're learning to love it, actually, driving it. I love that car. I really think uh, it's the right car. It's a lifestyle car. The one There's two big complaints I have with it. Uh, the dual clutch shouldn't be in it. Yeah, it's, it's the wrong fit it's for the a, vehicle. Yeah, it should just be a regular transmission. Which you can get, but not with the turbo. Not with the turbo. And if you're at altitude, you want the turbo. Uh, and the other thing that's driving me absolutely crazy is uh, that piano black. It just shows dust. So all I do is wipe dust off the uh, panel. Otherwise, you know, it's a brilliant car. Uh, we use it as kind of our shop truck. Uh, never fails to start. Everything runs well. Um, screwed together well. Just uh, shows dust like crazy. 100% agree. All right, and then uh, we just did a video with our ZR2, which we will hopefully be um, Silverado moving on to a new truck uh, that, that actually has been built, but sitting in, I'm giving away hints, it's been sitting in Detroit now for at least two months, uh, believe it or not, we just can't get our hands on it. Uh, we did a video where we compared it to the Colorado uh, ZR2. What'd you think of that truck? Uh, it was good. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a little old, and we know there's a new one coming, but it uh, was not, a... Not the old one, the new one, the Silverado ZR2 that we're getting rid of. Oh! We've only had that for like six months. Yeah, it's a great truck. I yeah. really like it. I think it's got the fantastic amount of offered capability. The new interior redesign is a big improvement over the old one. I think it needs some new engines. I'm getting kind of tired of the 6.2 V8. I'd love to see the diesel in the ZR2. That'd be phenomenal, that uh, straight six. It's not a Raptor competitor, right? It doesn't have the wide body, doesn't have the additional power of a Raptor or a TRX. But if you want the ultimate off-road rock-crawling full-size truck, I don't think you can beat it, especially with that front locker. Yeah, and then, of course, we're now going up on a year of having our Bronco. 
Uh, we've gone through a bunch of different tops. We started with the hard top, uh, which was squeaky, and then we went to a best top soft top, which I love, but it was a little bit loud, right? Soft tops are. And now but, we're back to the hard top, but this time the one that doesn't squeak. Uh, with the Sunrider. Yeah, which is this little fabric bit that goes on the front that you can throw top, back. Yeah, which, which lets you kind of give you the best of both worlds, but it, it's also a little loud. Bronco hasn't broken. It's been perfect. Um, really good off-road. Good road tripper, too. I just took it on a pretty big road trip. Yeah, you took it far, dude. Well, like 700 miles. Yeah, well, that's, that's but pretty it, far. It was great. It was a really great car uh, yeah. for road trip. Kind of thirsty. Yeah. 17, 18. I, it's I, got 35s on it, though. I have found that at $6 a gallon or $5 a gallon, even non-thirsty cars feel thirsty nowadays. Very true. Very true. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we were trying to sell our Golf R, yep. uh, which we were unable to sell over at TFL Bids. So I actually drove it this weekend when I got back. I, I took it out, and I'm really enjoying driving it. Uh, now I'm kind of regretting wanting to sell it. Uh, so we'll see. It's boring. What do you mean it's boring? It's boring. It's fun. It's all mm. an all-wheel drive car in Colorado. Eh, uh, it's a little boring. It's I a little just, sterile. You know what? I just have to wait for the first snow, and the demand for that thing will be through the roof. You can feel the German engineering in it. And when I say German engineering, I mean, like, very precise, but also very dull. Oh, that, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. It's a little dull. It's a great car, though. It's very fast. It's very and, quick. And then if you listen to this as a podcast, uh, there are a lot of new reveals happening um, this week. So uh, the Blazer, Tommy? Blazer, yeah. Blazer EV is coming up shortly. Um, we uh, and over and, and over at truck. Raptor uh, R. R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andre actually got to drive it, so we can talk about it now. Drive it? Yeah. He drove it? I thought he drove it, yeah. He didn't drive it? No, I think it was just a reveal. Was it just a reveal? Yeah. Okay. I don't well, think he mind. drove it. I was, I was in Korea, so yeah. if you want to get a hands-on video, Andre... I uh, did get to go to the reveal of the Raptor R, and that should be, uh, once again, all T- you know, people say, I, I, you put out too many videos, and I'm like, just go to all TFL, save it as a little uh, app on your phone, and you'll get all of our videos all the time. So Blazer, uh, we're going to have, of course, we're going to have the uh, Type R as well, Tommy, this week. Civic Type R, R is coming, yep. yep. So it's going to be a busy week, and then I'm going to Germany to go check out some stuff as well. What are you doing in Germany? Uh, Mercedes, right? Yeah, I'm going to go check out the EQXX. Isn't that, cool. the, isn't that that new concept Mercedes that gets over 1,000 kilometers on one charge? Yes, that's the one. Really? Yeah, that's the one. And is I can't. I can't talk about the other one. Okay. Yeah, but the. Uh, but you'll see that this week. Okay, so you're gonna, you're going to be in Germany. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to be in Alaska. Yep, that's right. It's just going to be crazy busy. And I think Andre's going to go drive some electric like big rigs. No, he's not. Yes, he is. That's not a case. Oh, his case going on those. Andre's on vacation. No, I think he's going on those. He told me he's going. Freightliner is case. He's going this week. Mm-hmm. Andre's at the lake all week. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. All right, guys. Well, be sure to stay tuned for the next podcast. We'll have it all. I'll summarize what we've been up to. Yeah, and if you uh, want to see everything, just go to alltfl.com, uh, and I don't have to. Oh, and uh, once again, we had somebody who uh, filled the truck site with spam. Uh, same oh thing, yeah, same the thing that you won. Just did just you to, never win anything on Telegram from us? I promise, or WhatsApp. We don't we, we, give away trucks. We don't give away trucks. We don't. So we just report them, ignore them. We've been deleting them, but they still pop up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Every, every time you know somebody from India populates our comments with this, people email us saying, "Have I won something?" And if you're listening to this, we don't give stuff away. We're journalists, and we're not in the business of doing giveaways, unlike other YouTube channels. So yep. it's it's all a scam. Please don't get taken in by it. I would hate to feel like, you know, we've been used to to make uh, your life worse. Yep. All right, guys. Well, keep that in mind. We'll see you in the next one. See you next time. Ciao.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.